today on Commitment to Truth. When a believer is ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it still denies today the Christ who lives within you. A follower of Jesus Christ must get to a point that they say, you know, others may, but I may not. It's always a choice for a follower of Jesus Christ to say, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because others may do that, but I may not. Others may be able to have the privilege to get away with it. Others may be able to do this or that. When we make the decision to just blend in with whatever else someone does, it simply says, I'm ashamed of the cross of Christ. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. Everyone starts coming to late to work. Um, you punch in the right time. And then everyone around you presses you, oh, why are you doing that? You'll get us all in trouble. And then you say, okay, well, let me, let me, let me finagle the time as well so we can all like blend in and not get in trouble. Or it's this way, um, others may, but I may not. It's always a choice. It's always a choice for a follower of Jesus Christ to say, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because others may do that, but I may not. Others may be able to have the privilege to get away with it. Others may be able to do this or that. Just, just whatever you want to imagine, whatever you're up against, a follower of Jesus Christ must get to a point that they say, you know, others may, but I may not. You see, here's the challenge. When a believer is ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it still denies today the Christ who lives within you. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives where? And it's life that I now live, I live by, the, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his very life for me. When we make the decision to just blend in with whatever else someone does, it simply says, I'm ashamed of the cross of Christ. Being ashamed of the gospel still says today, church, being ashamed of the gospel today still says, I don't know that man. It still says today, I don't know him. But when you're willing to say yes, the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I act, the decisions be behind closed doors, the decisions in public, all of it looks like him, walks like him, talks like him, smells like him. It ultimately says I'm identified with him. And it says to you and I that, and it says to him specifically that I'm not ashamed of you. Can you imagine if you're married today or about to be married? And you're walking down the street with your wife, guys. And then someone looks at you and says, hey, who's that with you? Oh, that's just my friend. Well, chances are, chances are you won't live like the next step. You won't be alive, you know. So, 
So we, we get it. We get it relationally, right? We get it. We get it relationally, but we have to understand when it comes to Christ, it's the same thing. He is with us. He is in us. And wherever we go, we can never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A finished work of Jesus Christ, the person of Christ. And when we do, guess what it does to everyone else? It discourages. What happens every time you see a follower of Christ put down the cross of Christ? What happens to the reputation of Christ when two out of the three choose to do what's right and one doesn't and a hundred people on your job looks at the one? They're not going to look at the two. They're going to look at the one and says that one person out of the three who said you're a Christian, see, that's why I don't believe. Our challenge is to understand that we should never ever cause such discouragement in the lives of that person. And that ultimate person is whom? Jesus Christ. Secondly, we find what does not refresh us. We find that also in verse number eight. It says this, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. We got that. Or of me, his prisoner. So Paul is saying, don't be ashamed of me that I'm locked up in prison right now. The word prisoner means this, that I'm bound and that I'm captive. To who? Paul many times in the scripture says that I am a what? A prisoner of whom? Christ. You see, Paul was in prison because he was what? A prisoner, already a present prisoner of whom? Christ. If he wasn't a prisoner of Christ, he would, he would have just threw, threw down the cross and would never be arrested. But he was a prisoner of Christ first that caused him to be in what? Physical prison. So when you hear Paul say that I'm a prisoner, it's much more than just being behind, you know, uh, bars or locked in a dungeon or anything like that. It is that I'm a prisoner first of Christ. I am a bond servant of Christ, that my will is all consumed with the will of someone else. And that other person is whom? Christ. So Paul is saying, listen, second point is what does not refresh us is this, is that when a believer is ashamed of a prisoner of Christ, how does this look for you and I? When a brother or sister says, others may, I may not. When a brother begins, a sister begins to say, well, you know, I just don't do that anymore. And that other Christian begins to say, well, why not? Why are you being all religious? Are you stuck up? Are you think you're better than me? Right, versus being encouraging and saying, you know what? Well, praise the Lord, you're, you're, you're taking a stand. Well, I can't believe you, you don't do that anymore. Well, you don't drink, you don't, you don't, you don't go, well, you don't do that. And I can't believe it. Well, you're not having premarital sex. I can't, what? Huh? I could never do anything like that. Why are you 50 years old and you're still a virgin? Our born again version? You know what that means? Maybe you lost your virginity, but yet God's redeemed your heart. And you said, from this point on, 
no more until marriage. How dare we not provide refreshment to a brother or sister who says, I'm preserving myself for marriage? How, how, dare we, how dare we not refresh a brother or sister who's a businessman or woman who chooses to report their taxes and do it legally? Well, you do why? I can't believe you. Well, I don't, I don't. Does it make sense? Well, you do it that way? Well, this is the way I do it. We forget that a prisoner of Christ is a prisoner for the sake of others. A prisoner of Christ is always a prisoner of Christ for the sake of others. Ephesians 3, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says this, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. I choose to not do certain things. I choose to do certain things a certain way for you. Right, remember Paul said in Romans, even if it means that I don't eat meat, I just won't eat meat. I mean, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Don't mess with my meat, right? It's like, meat? No, no. But it's for others. And it gets better. You, you, look, you look further at a prisoner of Christ is also a prisoner for the sake of love. Look at Philemon chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. It says, therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, Yet, for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a prisoner, a person as Paul, and an old man, and an old man, and now also a prisoner of who? It's for love's sake. Remember, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, it is the love of Christ that controls me and compels me. At the end of the day, it will always come down to, do I love him or not? He'll give you honeymoon stages, right? Just like a marriage. He'll give you honeymoon stages. Everything's going well, feeling all warm and fuzzy. Nothing's going wrong. Everything you say is right. <laughs> then you hit that wall. You hit the relationship wall. And it's like, okay, now I know you're pretty and all that. I know you're handsome and all that. But is there more underneath all that? Right? And it's just like Jesus. It's like, oh, this is so beautiful. I love Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm singing in glory. Hallelujah. Then you hit that relationship wall. Then you have to say, okay, is there more to this than just this warm and fuzzy thing between Jesus? Oh, you mean prisoner? Oh, you mean slave? Oh, you mean my life is not my own? Oh, you mean, oh, everything I have to talk to you about? Yes. Consult me in all of your ways. Oh, are you the Tell me that when I signed up. Relationship one-on-one, right? 
Same thing happens, right? So our challenge is to understand, how dare we not come alongside a brother or a sister who's selling out completely? We should be each other's biggest cheerleaders. To say, you know what? Man, pray for me that I get to that point that I'm willing to be indebted to Christ that deeply and that profoundly and that courageously rather than providing discouragement. You see, maybe you're not there yet, but trust me, stay in a relationship with Jesus long enough. He'll, he'll nudge you there. He's going to nudge you there relationally that you're going to have to make some relational decisions of, okay, am I going to get locked down or not? You follow me? In other words, am I going to say here, take control of everything that I have? But the beautiful thing about it is he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So it may initially feel like you can't, but when you surrender to him, it's like, I can't believe how much freedom there is in his imprisonment. So whenever you're ashamed of another believer, don't forget that their chains are worn for you. That person who is willing to risk it and go all in, their chains are worn for you, for me. So we could be encouraged one day when it's time for us to wear similar chains. What doesn't refresh us? Being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, being ashamed of someone else's imprisonment. And lastly, we find in verses 8 through 12, but I'll just read to you the latter part of verse 8. When a believer is afraid of suffering together for the gospel, is that you're just the, I'm just the only, why am I the only one that gets this? Listen, hold on to the example. This is Paul again telling Timothy, hold on to the example of sound words. Pardon me, back up. But join, verse 8, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. This word suffering means this, to suffer hardship together with one. What does this mean to you and I? So many times when someone is suffering, we forget that we're commanded to suffer with them. So here's the the really deep spiritual theological truth. There can be a sister or brother who's locked up in their house, in their bedroom, in the dark, lights off, curtains drawn, and they're suffering all alone, but they're not. They're not. In some unique way, that's many times indescribable, the church that they're connected with is suffering and hurting. 
is so wise of God to give the analogy of body function. Your baby toe in your sock, in your shoe. Probably, in, in our minds, the most unused part of our body. But stump it. And see how important and valuable it is. How quickly it registers to your head that what? Something's wrong. I mean, it's so rich that God just breaks it down to us in simple human analogies that how many times do I put my sock on my foot, cover my, my, my ugly baby toe, nestle it within a, a, a shoe, walk around like nothing's even imagined until there's pain. Ingrown toenail, there's pain, right? You cut your toenail too close, right? Too short. You ever done that? It's like, oh, and now you're limping all day until it starts healing. It, we don't see it, church. But it reports back to the head, and the head is whom? Christ. The head supernaturally is able to do what? Disseminate information to what? The hand that says, you should probably reach down there and untie that shoe to figure out what's going on. Then it registers through the eyes, and the eyes take a look at it. I mean, you follow me? It, the head is immediately alerted to anyone who is in their house, in their room, locked in the dark, and nobody knows, but the head knows it all. And he supernaturally alerts people in the body that something is dysfunctionally wrong with that part of the body. That's how simple but yet deeply profound it is. So keep that in mind, right? We forget that the body of Christ and the scriptures clearly teach when one suffers, everybody suffers if we like it or not. And that's why if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24 through 26, and remember the context, this is Paul talking about spiritual gifts, and he says that he's placed us in the body just as he wills. So everybody is functionally exactly where he wants us to be, just as he has perfectly assigned us, but God has also did this. Verse 24, but God has so composed the body, given much abundant honor to the part which lacks. So what it's saying to you and I is this, is that that person who you rarely see up front, like me, he has done what? Given them what? Abundant honor. So those his kids, teachers, his kids, men and women that are caring and teaching and instructing your children, Nobody sees exactly what they're doing, but chances are there's a, probably a bit of chaos going on some way. God sees them before he sees me. That is so contrary to our human selfish way of thinking, because you know why? People up on the stage normally get most of the credit. We're the one, hey, great sermon, great job, pastor, great. We get all the human affirmation. Rarely do you see a parent walk upstairs and say, you know what? I'm so thankful that you care for my children. I, you know, I pray for you every single week, and I just pray that God gives you wisdom and just pour blessings upon you. Rarely will you hear a parent walk in there and do that. They just say, give me the kid. Let me go home. 
right? Not, not slighting anyone, but that's just the way we sinfully are wired, right? Because we're so used to lauding people. Oh, he's on stage. She's on stage. Let's clap for her. Oh, they sing so beautifully. Oh, they dance. And, and we just pump people up who's always in front. But God knows our sinful hearts so well that he writes. But God has so composed the body, giving much abundant honor to the part which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body. You know why? Because guys like me start looking down at people who do all the little dirty jobs. And then the people who are doing all the little dirty jobs look at me and say, well, I can never be like them. Well, I, I, well I'm, I'm really nothing. I really don't. And you hear people in the church say that. Well, you know, I really, I really don't do much. I, you know, I just clean the toilets. Well, don't clean the toilets and see if there's a revolt or not. Especially in the women's bathroom. You know, it's, so, so what happens, though, is that people in that ministry is like, oh, well, you know, I just, I'm just a servant. Huh? Do you know how God views you? God views you better than me. That is so cool. Because, again, what happens, what causes division is pride. I think I'm better than you. You think you less than, you know, and then there's pride. Division occurs. So God says, I'm going to set it straight because I know y'all and I know how wickedly y'all wicked act and confused you can act and how you can raise up idols. So what I'm going to make sure is that there's going to be unity in the body. So guys like me has to understand that I'm not the head of the church. I'm only a part of the body. Which then says this, but that the parts may have the same care for one another. And if one part of the body suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If any part is honored, all the parts rejoice with it. We cannot be afraid. When a brother or sister is suffering, because we cannot forget that we all are called to suffer together because we're one. Thank you again for listening to our series from Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed and wonderful day.